I love that phrase, there's power. I don't know how, but there's power when I'm on my knees. We've been talking about prayer. We talked about it last week. Talking about it again this week as we go back into the book of Daniel. If you want to open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10, you can go there on your mobile device. And as you're going there, we're concluding the Daniel series this week. And next week, begin a new series called Journey, Walking with God. We're going to talk about how to walk with God and meet God in the everyday moments of life. We're going to look at some of what have been called the spiritual disciplines or habits or spiritual practices of the Christian life. And we'll take about 10 to 12 weeks to do that. And we're specifically going to be looking at it through the lens of the life of Jesus. How did God the Son in human flesh, as he walked among us, how did he walk with God the Father while he was here on earth? And through his teachings and his example and his life, there are so many opportunities for us to learn how to walk with God day by day. And boy, do we need that in this world today. And so we'll begin that series next week. When I was a kid, I remember uh, I'd be digging a hole or something on a playground, a teacher, or maybe a parent would come along and, and say, if you keep digging, you're going to reach China. And the idea was that if you dug down far enough in a straight uh, tunnel to the other side of the earth, you'd be in China. And I never knew if that was true or not until a few years ago, I came across a website called uh, antipodesmap.com. And uh, in this app, it kind of helps you understand if you were to tunnel through the earth and put kind of your, your head in the earth right where you are and make a straight tunnel to the other side where that would be. And so you can put an address in even. So I put in 5495 Via Rocus, which is the address for Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California. And it shows a guy sticking his head in the ground right at that address. And then it shows you another map where the head is coming out the other side. And for us, if we were to drill a hole straight through the earth from this point, the other side of the world would be in the midst of the Indian Ocean near Madagascar off the eastern tip of the continent of Africa. And uh, that was kind of interesting. It, by the way, if you try this with addresses, maybe where you've lived in the Midwest or the East Coast or somewhere else, you find that a lot of them end up in the water because I think it's about two-thirds of the planet is covered by water. But it was interesting to just know what is the exact opposite side of the world from us. In the Christian life, we get a lot of opportunities as we live the Christian life here together in the physical world. We get a lot of opportunities to notice and see at times the hand of God. But sometimes as we pray, we feel like God isn't answering our prayers or God isn't hearing our prayers. Some of you have prayed for years or months, or maybe even weeks over a specific issue for someone else, something in your own life. And you feel like, what's going on here? And there's this chapter in Daniel, Daniel chapter 10, where we get this glimpse at the other side of prayer. What happens as we pray? And I think uh, the glimpse we get is enough to fully understand that as much as we can handle if God were to give us the full picture of what's happening in the spiritual realms as we pray, I think we'd be a bit overwhelmed. But in Daniel 10, we get this wonderful glimpse into the other side of prayer. We're going to talk about that as we look at Daniel 10, and it goes even into the first verse of chapter 11. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, sometimes we feel like God isn't hearing us, God isn't answering I want us to understand today as we look at Daniel 10 that just because we don't see God doing something doesn't mean God isn't doing anything. We look and we pray a certain way for family or friends or for our church or for our nation, for our world, and we don't see what we wanted to see or expect to see, and then we believe God isn't doing anything then. 
That's a dangerous way to view prayer. And we'll see why we may be praying and may feel like God doesn't ever respond, and yet God is actively answering our prayers. When we know God answers prayers, we have that comfort, which I think we can get some help with that, seeing the other side of prayer. Um, We pray with both great urgency, expectation, and pleading before God and persistence and great peace knowing that we have left that burden, we've left that care on our knees in prayer to the God of the universe, the God who is in control of all. Sometimes unanswered prayers uh, cause us to have a lot of angst because we don't see what God's doing. F.B. Meyer said, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. And I hope what we'll see today will encourage you to keep being persistent in your prayers. I challenged you last week that we we saw in Daniel's life this pattern of praying for others, intercessory prayer, praying on behalf of others, and encourage you to pray for five to seven people, other people, and I trust you've been stretching your own prayer life in this last week. If you already had a list, you've added others to that list. But I do want us to see in Daniel 10 this other side of prayer. If you'll look there in your Bible or on your mobile device in the Bible app you have, Daniel chapter 10. This, again, is Daniel who lives in a foreign land because God has used foreign nations to judge his people for their waywardness in Israel. Daniel had been taken off into captivity when he's 16. He's uh, into his mid to late 80s at this point. And uh, the end of God's uh, judgment of his people has come. It's to have lasted 70 years. I'm right on the cusp of that. And as we read Daniel 10, we know that it is about two years after what happened in Daniel 9 where he prayed, and then God gave him a great vision. And then in Daniel 10, we see him praying again, and God meets him in that moment, and then he gets more understanding of the prophetic things ahead in chapters 11 and 12, which we covered earlier as we looked at all the prophecies of this wonderful Old Testament book. This is about 500 years before Jesus. Daniel is praying for people he'll never meet who are beginning to regather in the land because they've been allowed to go back by the Persians now, the empire that conquered the Babylonians. And so Ezra and Zerubbabel and even Nehemiah have begun the return of people to the land and they've begun to rebuild the temple, reinstitute the sacrifices, rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. But Daniel hears, as best we understand, based on some passages in Ezra, that Daniel has heard about the fact that those who've gone back into the land, as God is restoring them, there's opposition. Some enemies of Israel are trying to stop the construction and stop the people from returning to the land. And it's given him a great burden along with these visions that he has of coming judgment. And we see that in Daniel 10. Verse 1, in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So he's burdened about a vision he's had. Perhaps it's the one in the end of chapter 9. Perhaps it's the vision he's going to have explained in chapters 11 and 12. Maybe it's an understanding of what's going on, but he's burdened for his people and their hard, the hardships they're going through. And so he has cut out uh, finer foods and wines. We believe, based on the timing of this, it's about the time probably the first Passover is being celebrated again in Jerusalem. And he's 
also celebrating, but he's eating basic food rather than the feast kinds of food that would have been normal for Passover. Why is he doing that? Like we've seen before, it's for his focus and his attention before God that this is a, a critical need for others. And so he's, he's holding back on certain foods and also it says fragrant lotions. He's not bathing as regularly and so I think his own stench is gonna remind him to pray. I'm not necessarily encouraging that pro approach to prayer, but that seems to be what he's doing here. Verse four, on April 23rd, I was standing on the bank of the Tigris River. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like precious, a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified, ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face uh, grew deathly pale. I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. He's about 50 miles north of the capital city of that region, Babylonia, and he's at the Tigris River, he's with others. We don't know if he's there to pray or not, but he has this great vision that comes and there's an angelic being that accompanies the vision. And those who are with him are frightened, but they don't see what he sees. Verse 10, just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. I love that. It's gonna be said again later in verse 18. Daniel, you're very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. And he gives us the indication, this angelic being, that Daniel had been praying in these three weeks. Verse 13, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, a demon we believe, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So Michael is still wrestling with this demon that's been assigned to the empire of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Then one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said. For you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. As he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. He replied, do you know why I've come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirits the spirit princes, except Michael, your spirit prince. Apparently, Michael the archangel is the angel in charge of the protection of God's Jewish people. In verse, chapter 11, verse 1, I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. Now, as you read this passage, you get this understanding of Daniel being overwhelmed by this vision and by this angelic being that arrives. 
And we get a glimpse as the curtain is pulled back as to what's been happening while Daniel prayed. And I want us to see five things that we learn from our glimpse of the other side of prayer in Daniel chapter 10. The first one is this, praying is hard. Praying is hard. Now, to just pray, to talk to God, to think of prayer in your own mind, the process itself is not hard, but some of you know how hard it can be when you take a request to God year after year, month after month. Some of you have a, a heavy heart because of a wayward family member or a medical issue or financial situation. Some of this stuff has gone on so long and you feel like God isn't hearing. God isn't answering. And one thing we, we do understand from this is prayer is hard. It's not easy. If you've been paying attention to the Olympics in Tokyo, the name Katie Ledecky has probably uh, come across your path. Uh, she's a U.S. swimmer and uh, she won her third gold along with a bunch of other medals, but her third gold in the event of freestyle 800-meter women's freestyle event. She won her third Olympic gold uh, just this week. Now, what's interesting is she holds the top 23, not only Olympic, but all-time world record times for that event. This one girl holds all top 23 times. Can you imagine getting in the pool with her at the Olympics? I mean, why would you even go into this event? This girl holds the top 23 times. And yet they get in the tank and they give it a go. And maybe in your prayer life you feel like just statistically or just the story you have or the narrative that's been created in your prayer life is God is not responding. God is not being moved. God is not hearing me. Prayer and praying is hard, not easy. But when we know who we're praying to, and we get this glimpse of, of God dispatching an angel, God is answering our prayer. And we can have confidence and boldness. You see, praying with great boldness in the Lord and less reliance on ourselves brings more internal peace. Peter said that we're to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. So when we cast our cares on the Lord, there should be a peace we have. Not in our own abilities or our reliance on ourselves, but our boldness and our confidence is in our God. Praying is hard. Hebrews 4.16 talks about the boldness we can have because Christ is there even interceding for us. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Let's go to God in prayer so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. It doesn't say necessarily the specific answer the way we want it to our prayer, but we experience a peace, a grace, a mercy from God that is ours when we cast the care over and over and over again on him, even when it's hard. Secondly, we learn as the curtain is pulled back that God's got this. God's got this. He's in charge. He's, he's working and he's dispatching his angels and there are demons that are pushing back and God has the victory. God is in control. God's got this. Not us and not anyone else. God's got this. We can trust him. You see, embracing God as our ultimate hope, who he is, how he loves us, how he will do the very best for us in our lives according to his perspective and his plan and his will. Embracing God as our ultimate hope gives us immediate help. Now, this individual is described in verses five and six as I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. 
If you read the description the Apostle John gives of his great revelation and vision of Jesus in the book of Revelation, you, you will see some parallels to this. And so some commentators have concluded this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, God the Son. So God the Son showing up, speaking to Daniel even before he came and walked on earth. The problem there for me is that um, this being that interacts with Daniel is struggling with a demon and has to call Michael the archangel for help. And I don't think Jesus has to call any angel to help him when he's dealing with the demonic world. But this does appear to be in this description, and it's found also this kind of description in Ezra and a couple other places of Scripture, where an angel has been dispatched directly from the very presence of God, and they're still shining from the incredible glory of God. And that's the brilliance that's seen here that makes it uh, show this being shows such a reflection that's like that that John sees about Jesus in the book of Revelation. And so God sends someone directly in answer to Daniel's prayer. And we need to latch on to the fact that God is our ultimate hope when we're on our knees before him in prayer. And that should give us immediate peace even when the situation isn't completely resolved, but knowing that God's got this. Before you can even take requests before the Lord in prayer and really have peace about those things because you have hope in God and you find your help in God, you have to know God. And the only way to have that kind of hope that you know God in a personal way is to have received the hope he sent, Jesus, who died, was buried, and rose again for you. And when you put your faith in Jesus, then you are given new life in Christ. You're given a relationship with God and you're given direct access to the throne room of heaven in prayer. You have to know that saving hope that's found in Jesus. And I would just encourage you to just tell God, I get it, Lord, I'm a sinner. I see that Jesus loved me and he is my only hope. I put my faith in him. And if you're here in the room, I'll be out on the patio. I'd love to speak with you. We can have a pastor on our team or someone share with you how you can know that hope for sure if you have questions. You can share with us today's the day you put your hope in Jesus. We'd love to celebrate that. If you're in the room or you're joining us online, uh, you can also text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen. If you have any questions, we'll follow up with questions you might have. We'll reach out to you, provide you resources to help you understand the hope that you can have in Christ as Savior and what that means then even as you live in hope, even through your prayer life. We're told that once we receive Jesus as Savior, we're given the Holy Spirit and He is inside of us. And no matter what's going on in this world, what's going on in our nation, what's going on in, in our community or in our families or in our lives, John says this, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That should bring us immediate help because our great and ultimate hope is in our God. Thirdly, the third thing we get is the curtain is pulled back and we get to see the other side of prayer is that we're in a spiritual war, not a little skirmish. We're in a spiritual war, not a little skirmish. The issue of every human heart, every family, every neighborhood, every community, every city, every county, every state, every nation and, and the entire globe, the number one issue is a spiritual issue where our hearts, as we are born, are far from God, and Satan wants to do all he can do to stop us from coming to what Paul describes as the glorious light of the gospel. 
And we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we're born with blinders on. We're blinded and that Satan himself does not want those blinders to come off and he's going to do everything he can in this spiritual warfare. He's going to try to convince us as a church that the issue isn't spiritual, that it's going to be political arguments or philosophical debates or, or, or social causes that are going to be what really changes our region and our state and our nation and our world. When the problem is spiritual, the only solution is spiritual. And that's why as the followers of Jesus Christ and we know Christ and we live out his kingdom, his values. And as we live out his values, it's going to tick Satan and the demonic forces off because they're doing everything they can to get in the way of God's redemptive plan. Recognizing Satan's obsession to use anything and everything to thwart God's redemptive plan is critical. The issue of Enemies trying to slow down the rebuilding of the temple and of the city of Jerusalem is not a geopolitical issue. In Daniel's heart, it is a spiritual issue because he knows the promise that the Redeemer, not just of Israel but of all nations, is going to come through the lineage of Abraham. And Satan was doing everything he could do to stop that Redeemer from coming. He tried to stop that Redeemer while he was here on earth, and he's still trying to stop us as a church and God's people from seeing the redemption of human beings as the main mission and mandate of the church. We see this description in 12 and 13 of Daniel 10, verses 12 and 13 talks about, he says, look, as soon as you pray, Daniel, 21 days ago I was sent, but demonic forces did not want me to come and meet you in that moment, didn't want you to believe God was on the move, didn't want you to believe God heard you, they were fighting us, I had to call Michael to help, I'm going to have to go back and help him more, and then we got more coming, as you know, Daniel, in the prophecy, the next kingdom is Greece, and there are going to be others until the king of kings comes and establishes his kingdom forever. He describes this spiritual battle that's taking place. And notice that there's organization. There are demons over this region, then that region. There are demons assigned in different levels of categories. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, we read, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This isn't about physical or political or philosophical or social battles and wars. This is a spiritual thing we're a part of where Satan is trying to thwart the spread of the gospel around the world. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about putting on the whole armor and then gives a description of the armor. At the end of that passage, this is what we read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to... Take your stand against the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers, those are different levels of demons in the demonic world, of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Satan's efforts are organized, they're intentional, and you are in his crosshairs. This church is in his crosshairs. 
He wants us to be distracted by anything and everything that will get us off living out his kingdom, God's kingdom principles as the followers of Jesus. He wants us to focus on anything other than the gospel as the solution to man's deepest needs and society's darkest woes. Corey Tim Boom, who was a Holocaust survivor, and I think in the concentration camps and what she went through, she saw a lot of spiritual warfare and even demonic activity. And she talked about the importance of having other believers in her life, opening God's word and prayer. She said this, when a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil smiles. When he stops studying the Bible, the devil laughs. When he stops praying, the devil shouts for joy. She understood this is spiritual warfare that we're a part of, not some little skirmish. You know, as you think about the the things that God's given us the opportunity to do here at Calvary, he's given us a huge opportunity and responsibility and stewardship in terms of our influence in our community and around the world and our influence on the next generation. Yesterday, we had several hundred folks out for the Special Abilities Beach Day, seeing those families minister to and those kids that that deal with various needs and, and what God did was wonderful. Thank you for those of you who volunteered there. Back in June, we had our Vacation Bible School, over 500 uh, children who showed up for that. Thank you for those of you who volunteered, and some of you prayed for the Vacation Bible School. You prayed for the children. This coming week, tomorrow, we have 250 high school students going off to camp for the week with a bunch of volunteers and staff who are going to make that a great week at Hume Lake, not up north, but here in SoCal, their new campus. And can I encourage you to pray every day? Pray on your knees. Pray to God that Satan's efforts will be thwarted in the lives of these young people. Satan wants to do everything he can to destroy these young lives. And just last month, our middle school uh, had their camp, and uh, a number of them responded to the gospel. And when they came back here, as you'll see in the video, they, they were getting baptized. But I want to show you a video because when we talk about spiritual warfare, Satan wants to do all he can to destroy and demolish the next generation, even right here in the influence of our church. And we need to be praying about that. Watch this video and get a sense of what God is doing in the lives of middle schoolers as they come to Jesus. I love that video, seeing those kids worshiping, having fun. But we're in a spiritual battle for the hearts and lives of these young people. And I would just want to encourage you to be praying. Uh, let's bombard heaven together for the next generation. Maybe you've made that list of five to seven people I talked about, or you expanded your list, or joined the prayer list here at Calvary and praying for others. Can I just encourage you to pray for our high school students starting tomorrow through Saturday as they're going to be at camp, and God's going to want to speak in their lives, but Satan's going to do everything he can to distract and destroy what God wants to do. Maybe you use a memo app on your phone, a reminder app, or something to help you. That's a good thing, or a calendar app. I've used a little app that maybe have helped you called Echo. Uh, It's a little prayer app available on smartphones, and it has a way in which you can set up prayer to even with your small group or ministry team or with your family, Uh, but it has ways when things pop up for me three times a day to pray for people. Uh, This pops up. I use this app because it's so easy to manage and all, and find some way to be praying for others. And as you pray for the next generation here at Calvary, let's pray for our outreach. Young adults went and did these VBS opportunities and are doing them each Saturday for four Saturdays uh, down with migrant workers and sharing the hope of Jesus with them and showing up. Uh, all the things we've talked about, local outreach, but also pray for our international partners. I've had interactions with our partners in Uganda and in India and Iran, 
And um, COVID is hitting those places very hard, and it's, 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 it's just heavy on the hearts of all of our ministry partners in the, these type of regions in the world. But at the same time, they're seeing all kinds of people come to Jesus with the backdrop of that hopelessness. Our partners in India say usually each year they see about 100 to 150,000 people come to Jesus regularly through the 11,000 church plants they're part of. And um, they're now, this last year they saw not 100,000, not 150,000, but they saw over 600,000 people come to Jesus in the midst of COVID. God is at work. Even if you can't see what God is doing, God is at work. And we need to join them in prayer, in praying for what God is doing. We also want to be praying for you, as I mentioned. You got the little piece of paper on your way in from, a, from an usher, and uh, you can put a prayer request there to have uh, folks in our church pray for you. Our pastors and ministry directors and staff, as well as elders and others, our pastors, prayer partners who pray for me every weekend during our services. Uh, all are praying through the list of prayer requests that you submit each week, and especially this last week with several hundred extra prayer requests we received. And if you'd like to join my pastor's prayer partners, by the way, they pray for me with requests I give them on Friday, and they pray through the weekend. You can speak to me or contact our office. But if you'd like someone to be praying for you, one way right now is just to fill out that little sheet and put it in one of the racks on your way out or in one of the boxes. kind of looks like a, a, a voting box a ballot box. Those are around the lobby. Just fill that out. You can go online and fill out a prayer request by going to prayer requests on our website at calvarywestlake.org. At the bottom of that, if you'd like, you can even um, mark that you want to get the prayer list. We keep the names, uh, you know, with just first names and things to protect people's privacy. But you can join in prayer just marking, I'd like to receive the weekly list. And it has hundreds and hundreds of needs of folks. And we need to be in prayer for one another. This is spiritual warfare. You can text the word prayer to the uh, number below me on the screen and you'll be sent the link so you can submit that prayer request. And then this week in particular, after each service, we have elders and pastors and ministry directors, some of our leaders who are available on the patio, the main patio to the main parking area. Right after the service, they're there just to pray with you individually. If you've got a burden, something you've been praying about, something that's been pressing on your heart and you want someone to pray with you, they're there immediately after the service to pray with you. Let's be praying for one another. Let's lean in. Grow your own life of prayer before God because what we know as the curtain is pulled back here in Daniel 10, this is spiritual warfare. And we need to be on our knees before God. Fourthly, we learn as the curtain is pulled back that God's plan is best, not just better. God's plan, his will, is better than my plans, my thoughts, what I think. And so as, as Scott sang, often in prayer, what happens is we are changed. You see, God's plan is best. Submitting our wants to his will is a lifelong personal journey with God. In verse 14, this angel says, hey, I'm here to walk with you forward and help you understand this. And so when we trust God and submit our wants to his will and say, God, your will be done in my life and through my life here on earth, your kingdom come as it is in heaven. When we pray that way, our hearts change and align to God's will. Fifth and finally, we see as the curtain is brought back that God sees prayer warriors as precious. God sees prayer warriors as precious, not a problem. I've had people say to me, Pastor, I just can't pray anymore about this. I'm embarrassed to go to God about this again and again. I've been praying every day for three months. I've been praying every day for six years. God loves that. 
Here's Daniel pouring out his heart in prayer for the same things, the need of his people and the return of his people to land and now the, the conflict they're in there. And the angel says here in, in two of these verses, in verse 18 and verse 11, Daniel, you are precious to God. God loves prayer warriors. If you're a prayer warrior, God bless you. If you're seeking to grow as a prayer warrior, God bless you. A lot of times we think it's the power of a ministry is about what happens on the platform. It's what's happening in the prayer lives of God's people. Thank you for being a prayer warrior. Trusting that God cares as we pray is more important than knowing that God hears what we pray. That we can trust the God we're praying to and that he says, you are precious to me. It's such a wonderful an incredible moment in prayer to recognize I'm going to the God who says, please pray to me. Please pour out your heart to me. I'm here for you. And when we don't see what's happening this side, God is on the move on the other side of prayer. I like how William Barclay said it. When we pray, remember, the love of God that wants the best for us, the wisdom of God that knows what is best for us, the power of God that can accomplish it. Let's be prayer warriors. You may not be able to see something God is doing, but that doesn't mean God isn't doing anything. God is on the move. Here in our community, in our nation, and all around the world. So now what? What does that mean if we get this good glimpse of the other side, that God is moving and active even when we can't tell or see that? We need to pray to God on behalf of others. Let's go to God on behalf of others. And let's let others pray to God on our behalf. Stop by the tents out there, the pop-ups we put out on the patio. Let those folks pray for you. I mentioned some of our partners. One of our partners, we can't really mention who they are and we can't really go deep into this, but through your, your giving, we've given lots of resources to this partner who is spreading the gospel in Iran. They've been ministering in Iran for 25, 30 years, and they saw very little fruit, but they asked people like us to keep praying, to keep praying, to keep praying. And in the last five to seven years, tens of thousands of Iranians are coming to Jesus. Some of them are tortured for their faith, prisoned for their faith. Some of them are thrown out of the country. It's hard, but the gospel is spreading because this is spiritual warfare, not political warfare. That government is tyrannical. It's terrible, but the gospel is spreading. It's because people are praying, and they asked us, as I talked with the leader of that ministry just a couple weeks ago, to keep praying. We're going to share with you a, a video of some Iranian believers being baptized. Let me say to those of you who are watching online, even those in the room, this will be seen live in this feed, and then this feed will immediately be taken offline, and this part of the service will be removed for the rest of the week because we can only share it live to protect the identities of our brothers and sisters and following the guidelines of the ministry partner. But I hope your heart is encouraged that, yeah, there's a lot going wrong in our world. Yeah, there's a lot of chaos, a lot of turmoil, even here in the United States, even in our community. But when we're on our knees, God is at work, even when we don't know that.